Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. Verses 12 through 15. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zabalon and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabalon and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Burkett Notes Observe here, one, our Savior, hearing of John's imprisonment, provides for his own safety by departing into Galilee. As our Holy Lord avoided persecution, so may we. Observe, two, the place in Galilee he comes to, Capernaum. Christ had three cities which he called his own, Nazareth, where he was bred, Bethlehem, where he was born, and Capernaum, where he dwelt. This was a seacoast town in the borders of Zabulon and Nephili. Observe three, the special providence of God in this change of our Savior's habitation. For by that means the prophecy, Isaiah 9, 1, was fulfilled, which declares that in that dark part of the country, the Messiah, the true light, should shine forth. Learn hence, one, that a people destitute of the saving knowledge of the gospel are in great darkness, how great soever the light of their outward comforts may be. This people had natural light enough, and civil light enough. They had an abundance of wealth and riches, peace and plenty. But they wanted the light of Christ and his gospel, and therefore are said to sit in darkness. Two, wherever the gospel is preached among a people, it is a light springing up and shining forth among them, quickening and enlivening, reviving and cheering the souls of those who entertain it, how great soever their outward darkness and distress may be. The people that sat in darkness saw great light, and to them that sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up, etc. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Burkett notes. Here our Savior begins to enter upon his prophetic office, and by preaching to make known the will of God to mankind. And observe, the doctrine which he preached is the same that John the Baptist did preach, namely the doctrine of repentance. Repent ye. And the argument is the same also, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is, now is the so much expected time of the appearing of the promised Messiah. Learn hence that the doctrine of Christ and his ambassadors is alike, and the same in substance. They both teach the doctrine of repentance to a lost world, as most suitable to the time and dispensation of the gospel. Verses 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Burkett notes, 
our blessed Savior, as he was the great prophet of his church, had power and authority to appoint teachers under him. And accordingly, here he begins to call his apostles to that great work. And in his call, we have several particulars very observable. As one, the meanness of the persons whom he calls. Illiterate fishermen. Not a Paul, that had long studied at the feet of Gamaliel, is first called, but Peter, who was a stranger to eloquence and human learning. Thereby, our Savior took effectual care that his gospel should be known to be the power of God and not the wisdom and device of man, and that the instrument should not carry away the glory of the work. Observe, too, how our Savior calls his apostles by couples, two and two, Peter and Andrew, James and John, to let us understand that the work of the ministry requires the concurrence of all hands that are called to it. All the ministers of God should put their hands, join their hearts, and set their shoulders as one man to this great work, and all little enough to carry it on with advantage and success. Observe three, the work which they're called to, from being fishermen to being fishers of men. They catched fish before with the labor of their hands. They shall catch men now with the labor of their tongues. Observe four, our Savior's command. First, to follow him before they are sent out by him. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We must be Christ's disciples before we are his ministers, his followers before his ambassadors. We must learn Christ before we preach him. Otherwise, we may fish for a livelihood, for honor and applause, but not for souls. If we be not first enclosed ourselves in the net of the gospel, we can have but small hopes of bringing in others. Observe 5. The promise which Christ gives the apostles for their encouragement. 1. To qualify them. I will make you fishers. 2. To succeed them. I will make you fishers of men. Faithfulness and care, diligence and endeavor is our part, but the blessing and success is Christ's. Quote, Our labor is only in the cast. Christ's power is holy in the draft. Some fish cleave to the rocks, others play upon the sands, and more wallow in the mud. And we shall labor all our days and catch nothing if Christ doth not bring our fish to the net and enclose them in it, as well as assist us in the throwing of it. Bishop Hall. Observe 6. The apostles' ready compliance with our Savior's call. Straight away they followed him, whom Christ calls he calls persuasively and effectually. Whom he calls, he draws, and works them to a willing compliance with their duty. Lastly, observe, upon their call to the ministry, they leave off their trade. They forsake their ships and their nets and lie close to their ministerial employment, teaching us that the ministers of the gospel should wholly give themselves to their work and not encumber themselves with secular affairs. Nothing but an indispensable necessity in providing for a family can excuse a minister's entangling himself with worldly business. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Burkett notes, Our Savior, having called Peter, James, Andrew, and John to be disciples in order to their being apostles to preach the gospel in the foregoing verses, this verse acquaints us with how he went himself along with them in the work. 
He did not send them forth as his curates to labor and lie at home upon his couch at ease. What shall we say to those lazy fishermen who can set others to the drag and care only to feed themselves with the fish, not willing to wet their hands with the net? Our blessed Savior, when he set forth his apostles, went along with them and labored himself as much as any of them. Verse 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with the devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. Burkett Notes Observe here, one, that although our Savior's doctrine needed no confirmation beyond his own authority, yet he was graciously pleased to exert the power of his Godhead in the working of miracles for the establishment of our faith. Observe, too, that the miracles which Christ wrought were not judicial, but beneficial to mankind. Moses' miracles were as great judgments as wonders, but Christ's miracles were salubrious and healing full of goodness and compassion, and very advantageous to the world. He dispossessed devils, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. O blessed Savior, thy life in all instances was a life of universal serviceableness and beneficialness to all mankind. Verse 25. And there followed him a great multitude of people from Galilee and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Burkett notes, Observe here how affecting our Savior's ministry was at first. Multitudes throng after him. They come from all parts to attend upon his ministry when he first began to preach among them. His ministers find it thus also. At their first coming among a people, their labors are most acceptable, and they do the most good. Our people's affections are then warmest, and our own zeal perhaps is greatest. Happy is the minister that improves all opportunities and advantages for the good of souls, for he that winneth souls is wise. <laughs>